Hello, everyone. My name is Colin Ward. Welcome to the Grade 8 Classroom at Covenant Christian School in Leduc, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are enthralled to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time in British Columbia with the outgoing big boss of SCSBC, Mr. Ed Newt, and we learned a whole bunch few of those things, we learned that a donation of bone marrow might result in a lifelong friendship. We learned that in 1920, Zorro was better known for his mark than his mask. We learned that BC is home to some of the world's largest things like a fly fishing rod and a garden gnome and the world's largest cuckoo clock and the world's largest hockey stick and a tin soldier and a whole bunch more. We learned how Ed celebrates the joyful increase of diversity in Christian education. We learned that Ed has a lot of hope for Christian education to move away from fear and towards courage and boldness because of the people he knows working in Christian education. And we learned so much more. So go have a listen. But today, we're grateful that you've joined us in Leduc, Alberta. And we're going to refer to ourselves as a parliament. A Leducian parliament, Colin? A Leducian? Is that uh, someone from Leduc? What, what are you thinking? I call him a Leducian. Leduc, I, I did teach in Leduc for a bunch of years, so I feel like I should have known that one. It still sounded odd to me, but a Leducian parliament. And to get to know this wonderful Leducian parliament we have today, we're going to start our podcast off with a name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Dirt Donator himself. Darren Speaksma. Hey, Parliament. Hey, Darren. Darren. <laughs> Darren, our prompt for our opening square. Tell us about your involvement in a school's spring or Christmas program. Okay, so though people will probably be shocked by this, I've been involved in numerous programs, not because I have any skill, but just because I can organize. And sometimes okay. there's some administrative needs with a, with a program. And we've the, established you have high appreciation for music. Yes. The, the one I'm probably the proudest of was a music teacher came to me uh, as a vice principal and says, Darren, I think I should use the grade five class to write and perform an opera. And I was like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. So um, <laughs> two weeks later, I went back to him and said, so like, where are we at? And he was like, yeah, I'm having second thoughts. And I was like, no, the ship sailed on second thoughts. We're doing an <laughs> opera. And over the next three months, kids wrote lyrics. They wrote score. They built the set. They did the full meal deal. And it became a tradition that still runs today. So almost 20 years of opera wow. have taken place in an Animal Christian school because Randy Smith made the mistake of telling me, <laughs> He thought it was a good idea to that kid, grade fives could write and perform an opera, which turns out it's true. They can. Um, and it's become, a, it's become a yearly thing. At one point, they decided maybe they were done. 
and they figured, okay, no opera. And the parental outcry okay. was so large that they continued to write and perform an opera. Amazing. I don't think I've ever heard of an elementary opera. Uh, are you going to give us a little taste of it? No. Directing, okay. not singing. That's and my involvement. Darren, <laughs> Darren, I am at no point in my life, if any, has, would I have ever thought if someone said, do you want to lead an opera? Would have my answer been, yes, I absolutely want to do that. Like, had you ever even imagined leading an opera before? Like, it's, it's, it's not actually about that. It's about as soon as every once in a while you have someone share an integrated, fully encompassing, holistic learning experience. And as soon as he mentioned it, I had a vision for what this could look like and what it could mean for learning. And then it was just a matter of how do we make this happen? Um, because there are very few things. Like right now, I think it's fourth and fifth grade do it together. Okay. And there are very few things that are all encompassing that include literacy and music. And they often pick some sort of theme. So like the one of the years that my kids were in it was the railroad, the development of the railroad. Another one was migration with animals. Like they pick some sort of curricular theme. And some years they write the score, other years they just choose the score from pop songs and we're, and then they write the lyrics. Like it really depends on the group and how it works together. Kudos to you, Darren. <laughs> well done. Uh, love that. Thank you. From Advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy whose style appeals to teenage girls. Justin Cook. What? <laughs> what? I, don't re- I don't remember what you're talking about, Jeremy, but I'm suddenly uncomfortable. But it sure certainly makes me look sleazy. Hey, Canada. Oh, <laughs> Canada. Canada. All right, let's give some context to that. Uh, Please. Justin, last time you confessed that your daughter steals your clothes. That's, oh, yeah. She, she likes wearing your clothes, yes. which is actually... As we mentioned last time, I was a little bit jealous because my style, <laughs> sense of style, there's no way that my teenage daughters would want to steal my clothes. Thanks for clarifying that, Jeremy. That's, uh, yeah, that's helpful. Welcome. Yeah. Justin, any involvement in schools, spring slash Christmas programs for you? Well, nothing quite as uh, sensational as Darren uh, Pavarotti over there. Um, <laughs> but I was the gingerbread man in grade one yes okay. i think i may have i do does this ring a bell for you guys i feel like I, I no okay nope nope so there was a cardboard box as the oven and my the greatest thing for me that i can remember is there was a back door in the oven like i got to sneak out the back of uh, the yeah. of the oven mm-hmm. uh so that that stuck in my memory but i also what another detail that sticks in my memory is so I don't even know the story. I don't remember what, I mean, you get baked, right? Or something, it's bad. Uh, anyway, but I had to run. I was being chased all through the gym and I had to literally run around the gym. And then all I remember is that I like was giving her. I was sprinting around that gym and then I had to sing. And I was like, you can't catch, can't catch me on the gingerbread. So I just, I could not even breathe, let alone sing a song. But I, I gave it what I could. I gave it in the, the run and I gave it in the song. I guarantee mm-hmm. So Can't do, remember the song, hey? Doesn't that story end with like the gingerbread man jumping in the water or something or a fox eating the gingerbread man or something like that? That's a fairly tragic story if I remember correctly. 
You know, a Christian school is probably going to turn that into a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Awesome. Well, as we heard off the top, we are honored to welcome virtually to be welcomed virtually into Covenant Christian School by Mr. Colin Ward. Hi, everyone. Uh, that's scary when we talk about a spring program. Uh, been involved with the spring program at uh, Covenant for 17 years. Uh, directing them and, uh, and involving them. And I guess, Jeremy, we got to go back to the time when you and I started together uh, with, a, with an idea of, of Stomp. And Jeremy, I, I'm not telling the story about me. I'm telling the story about Jeremy's involvement in school. Jeremy definitely took on a few. Jeremy's an all-star basketball. He's an all-star athlete, like in all fairness to him. I mean, outside of volleyball, he can play almost anything. And um, the truth of the matter <laughs> is uh, he, uh, he took a couple of groups of kids in my first year. And uh, we, we did a production and we, we, we talked at anything. We, we called it anything but ordinary, but it was really a stomp type of thing with kids and production uh, and, and percussion. And, and, and there's so much things going on during this thing. And there's a, there's a, there's an elementary choir of 250 kids. It felt like maybe there was whatever's the whole school basically involved, but Jeremy took these, well, let's just put it this way. I was given this task of trying to get these kids who were, it's kind of the athlete kids in grade eight to, to kind of come up with a percussion routine. And they decided on basketballs and we worked with somebody else at this time. Her name was Colette Hayes. <laughs> anyway, I was trying my thing and I was going a little too fancy and trying to do way too much with a kind of a, a stomp musical type of things. Colette came to me honestly and said, you know what? We got to simplify this. Jeremy, we need your help. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, 17 years ago, 17 plays, uh, we've done everything from beauty and the beast to writing my own sort of epic Canadian story about Vikings, uh, my goodness, it's been a good ride. That's for sure. So cool. There, it it is renowned in the uh, Leduc area. And thanks for by reminding Ladukians. me of that. I, yeah. I, if by Leducians, yes. <laughs> uh, I would not have I would not have recalled my 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 part in that uh, play. But you're right; it was a fairly significant. I think basically stole the show. If I, if I, I think remember. it did. Yeah, <laughs> that and the hand jive that you did all the time. There, yeah. <laughs> spirit fingers uh, jazz hands yeah. <laughs> All right. thanks for reminding me of that as well Colin uh, yeah I, I don't have so besides my basketball um, portion of that uh, musical I think I was involved in do you, any of you remember Down by the Creek Bank? Is that yes. right? I was, any of I was in it too when I was in junior choir in Highfield Baptist Church in Moncton, New Brunswick Shout okay. out to my Monktonians. So, <laughs> so uh, Darren, did you say you don't recall Down I by do. the Creek Bank? I do. I know I've been at a school that did Down by the Creek Bank. I just don't think I had a role. Okay. Uh, if you can't recall, uh, my sister always wants me singing. So, uh, Down <laughs> by the Creek Bank by the Old Hollow Log, there's crickets and tadpoles, turtles and frogs, Down by the Creek Bank the creek by, the by the Old Hollow Log. Beautiful. Uh, did you catch remember, the Did you catch the boot? It, I don't remember anything from this. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing I can remember is that one of my friends' moms sat in the front row and laughed a lot, and that really <laughs> calmed my nerves. It made me feel like someone was enjoying it, and I remember feeling 
happy about that. That's all I can remember. So it wasn't scarring, or maybe it was, and I've blocked it. But <laughs> I, I when I was st- I went down a little bit of a rabbit trail and started listening to some of the songs on YouTube and. Good stuff. Let me tell you. Good stuff. <laughs> Colin, if you're looking for ideas for next year, down by the creek bank. Jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> for the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a wide variety of segments that all rhyme with aim. Actually, people just choose game. I don't, I'm not even getting give any more options. We're doing a <laughs> Well, Colin, give us a drum roll to reveal it. Drum roll. <laughs> game. <laughs> all right for the game today for those of you that are listeners know that i usually try to come up with something and uh sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't today's game is inspired (laughs) by my relationship with colin colin and i i think colin we worked together for eight years is what i was thinking maybe around then right seven eight something like that yeah something like that that, yeah wonderful years uh (laughs) <laughs> beautiful, beautiful years. Uh, Colin early on would tell me that I was the best. I would do something or I'd help him or he, you know, we'd be working on something. He says, Jeremy, you're the best. And I, that meant a lot to me. I, I respected <laughs> Colin. Uh, it touched my heart. However, I then caught him in the hallways saying you're the best to someone else <laughs> on numerous occasions. Uh, I'd be walking down the hallway and I'd hear Colin da- yell down, the, you're the best, Mrs. Hayes, uh, another teacher in the school. And frankly, I didn't agree with him. I didn't think Mrs. Hayes was the best. <laughs> so then I started to feel like maybe he was just saying this to everybody, right? So I would then start to make fun of Colin, you can't say I'm the best and that person be the best. One of us has got to be the best. So, I've created a game here to put Colin to the test, to, to make him, to force his hand, okay? So it's called, the game is called You're the Best. And what's going to happen is it's going to be a subjective trivia type of game where I'm going to give a scenario, call uh, Darren, Justin, and myself will kind of argue over or pick what we think Colin's answer will be. And then Colin, you are going to tell us what the actual answer is by telling us who, which one of us is the best, Okay. The only way this breaks down is if Colin decides to choose each one of us once on purpose. <laughs> so I'm naming that right now <laughs> because I don't want that to be the case, right? That, that'll, again, diminish the value of the you're the best. So here we go. Colin, understood the rules. You're good? I'm good. Yeah, good to go. And by the way, we called okay. Colette the Snow Queen. Don't forget that. I, I will never forget. Shout out to the Snow Queen. Question number one. If Colin had to choose one rule for his grade eight class, Colin, how many years have you been teaching grade eight? 17. Colin also, is, when we're recording this, we're really close to the end of the school year. Okay, so just to give some context here, uh, end of a grade eight school year. So if you're a grade eight teacher out there and you're at the end of a school year, you know where Colin's at. Mm-hmm. Colin, what one rule would it be for your grade eight class? If you could only choose one rule, here are your choices, okay? Treat others with respect at all times. Listen to the teacher when they speak. Ask for help when they need it. Be prepared every day with required items. Respect other people's property. Listen and follow directions. Or the last one, raise your hand before speaking or leaving your seat. Darren, Justin, 
myself. What do you think Colin's answer would be? I'm torn Justin, between two. Darren, go ahead, Darren. But I'm, and that you know how much I love multiple choice. So, which means I'm basically <laughs> can narrow it down to two and then I'll get it wrong. Yeah. But I'm Talk narrowing it, it down to two. And I'm thinking June eighth grade. Yeah. I'm going with listen and follow directions. If it was a different time of year, I might come with a different rule as an eighth okay. grade teacher, but I'm thinking listen and follow directions. Do, are rule. you willing to give us your batter, your your second one? What was your other one? Your, your well, one I don't know if I want to tip my hand. Okay. Because that's okay. probably the right one. So okay. I don't want to share Justin? the right one. Justin, what are you thinking? Getting well, inside Colin. Hey, you've now known Colin for about 10 minutes, 15 yeah, I, minutes. I, I got this. I... I, okay. I can totally, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm feeling like a Leducian in Colin's class <laughs> right now. <laughs> By the way, Leducian, Leducian kind of has a Star Trekky sound to it. Don't you guys think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering. Okay. So I think Colin wants every kid to know that they should ask for help when they need it. Mm. Okay. Okay. See, that was my October answer, not my June answer. Yeah, but Colin is like steady Eddie, you know, he's like okay. sticking to it. <laughs> I I'm gonna go. I so I I know I've known Colin the longest, so I feel like I should have an advantage yes, here. Yes, I would agree. Uh, if you win, totally. it's rigged, just for it, the record. It is rigged. Yes. Hey, I've been told I'm the best. So But if you lose, <laughs> shame, shame, shame. All right. So I'm gonna go number one, treat others with respect at all times. I think that kind of covers so many things. Colin? Who's the best? Jeremy, you're the best. <laughs> yes. Rigged. Oh, that's good. Colin, tell us a little bit more. Why is that the number one rule for you? Well, I think at the, the bottom of it all, it kind of encompasses everything. And uh, I, I think we'll, uh, uh, I think at this time of the year, and I, I must admit, I think Darren was very close. If no one had guessed that one, I would have had to give it to Darren at that time. Uh, but um, I, I think just in, in encompassing nope. that community, uh, that community experience that we try to, to foster in my classroom, I think respect is probably at the, at the top mm-hmm. of the priority list for each mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Appreciate that. Uh, just make sure again, uh, no need to give any second places in this or even try to justify other people's answers. Uh, I heard I was the best. That's good. We don't need to pump Darren's tires there. All right. Next one. Number two. Okay. Uh, it is close to the end of the school year. Uh, oftentimes teachers, uh, will, uh, get some gifts potentially from students. So, uh, I looked at a website that said something like the top 50 teacher gifts or something. And I chose about six of them. So what do you guys think is the best teacher's gift? Okay. What do you think Colin will think is the best, best teacher gift? Number one, recycled newspaper photo frame. Uh, I have pictures here for everyone to see for those listening. Obviously I cannot, uh, uh, show them to you, but this one here, it's a beautiful frame, uh, with a stock photo in the middle. And, uh, looks like it's got a little bit of texture to it because it may be the that you know the recycled newspaper looks like they're maybe rolled up on the sides very beautiful very beautiful what color is uh, that jeremy uh we got some what purple and some blues some greens <laughs> you want all the details there <laughs> does it come with the plant know? 
the stock photo has <laughs> looks like a family jumping in the air at a beach. We got a, okay. Uh, number two. Okay, so we got a, a photo. Uh, we got a frame. Number two, a book. It's called F in Exams: The Very Best Totally Wrong Test Answers. So a whole book of the very best totally wrong test answers. Okay. Number three, we have bakery cookie mixes. So pre-made mixes uh, looks like pretty easy to deal with. You got your own baking at home for the summer months, okay? Mm. Number four, teacher ruler engraved ornament. Looks like <laughs> something that might be hung on a Christmas tree, but except for it might say Mr. Ward rules with a ruler, you know, playing on the pun. Uh Number five, we have an auto seal transit stainless steel travel mug. Okay. Classic. Looks like, like a Contigo mug or something. Yeah. And number six, we got a board game. Days of Wonder, Ticket to Ride. So a Ticket to Ride board game. Get in the head of Colin Ward, grade eight teacher, end of the year. He's sprinting to the end here. What gift is he hoping is under his desk at the end of the year? No, I don't think that's a thing. On top of his desk. Darren, Justin, what are you going with? Darren, you had an angle on this one. I do. I like eighth grade teacher, end of June, just trying to survive. I would be tickled. Again, I have two choices. I hate multiple choice. I've got two choices here, but okay. I would be very excited. Now, I am an addict, but I would be super excited to get that stainless steel travel mug as oh, the end of the year that, gift. Yeah. And again, yeah. I've got a backup, but I'm not sharing right now. Mm. Darren, in a that, previous in a previous game, didn't you highlight Days of Wonder as a, a ticket to ride? Sorry, as one of your favorite games. I did. That might be the the tip to the backup. Oh, like yeah. gotcha, if it was gotcha. Christmas, I would have definitely gone with the travel mug. But and like summer, you might have time to play games. Yeah. So that was that was my Just, backup. Justin, what are you thinking? Well, if you read the title of number two a little fast, it's a little edgy. Uh, so I'm going to stay away from that one. Um, <laughs> it is kind of grade A humor, though. Let's be <laughs> realistic. True. And if you look that's at the true. example of um, show me the hypotenuse and the kid <laughs> circles the variable and says, here it is. That, uh, <laughs> You're going to get laughs. Yes. All right. I'm going number two. F oh. in exams. <laughs> The very best, totally wrong test answers. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, this thing's something that maybe ends up on the back of the old toilet. Yeah, I don't know that's if that's good. still a thing for people. Yeah, toilet reading uh, stuff. All right. Uh, man, I, I'm a big game player. Um, so if it was me, I'm probably going Ticket to Ride. I, I'm going to go Ticket to Ride just because I'll stick to what I would probably have appreciated. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Colin, who is the best? Well, I got to give a little context and I'll go quick. Um, the, the book, um, it reminds me, Jeremy, of one of our students who, when Gail Mons asked a story about um, how much snow in a math class needed to be re uh, removed from a driveway and she gave the dimensions of two feet by 25 feet by 35 feet, she asked the student, how much snow has to be removed? The student said, all of it. <laughs> but that's no, not, it's not, the wrong. <laughs> it's not it's not wrong it's not wrong so but who's that's the best not the choice so the best? darren you're the best oh, oh. 
I have a coffee addiction that is probably, well, a grade eight teachers. We, we survive on very little sleep, lots of patience, and I don't know, to battle our own ADHD, I think we actually need that caffeine. So, <laughs> Yes, I would agree. That's how I cope. Oh, this is setting up very. This is setting up very nicely for uh, Colin right now, as he's already told me I'm the best, and now Darren's the best. So, uh, uh, I, I also, think I know where this is going. I also want to do a little research study on how many eighth grade teachers have some intense experience with ADD, ADHD. Mm. Yeah, there, and coffee addiction. There, there's a research study there. I think. Anyway, go ahead, Jeremy. Question three. Question. Question number three. Uh, I off a website. Uh, I got some humor out of this website that's telling me these are the top five things teachers need for their classroom. And here were the five things. Dry erase markers, markers, notebooks, colored pencils, and loose leaf paper. Now, I'm going to do the worst thing possible, Colin. I'm going to get you to imagine already post-summer coming back to school. You are walking to the school and on a table, Donovan, your principal, has said, hey, there's a bunch of extra supplies. Take two of the things that you need from this table, dry erase markers, markers, notebooks, colored pencils, and loose leaf paper. What are you taking to your classroom, Colin? So two out of those I know five. this one for sure. Okay. Mm, Easy answer. I like that he's already locking it in. So no switching. Okay. Locked You've in. got to lock in. Justin, you're leaning in like you know. No, I was actually like, these are boring. I'm going off script. I was going to be like, you know, Darren hates multiple choice. And then Colin was like, I got it. I'm locked in. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, those five. Back yeah. on- these are the only options though, Justin. You can't, you can't say to your first day back, you're not going to your principal saying, look, I appreciate the gift of these things. I don't want any of this. <laughs> Get me some of this over here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's markers and paper. That's all that's on the list. It's like, I don't know. Where's okay. my iPad? So yeah, you chose fun. markers and paper? Is that what you chose, Justin? <laughs> no, I am going uh, I'm going uh, colored pencils. Okay. And what else? Oh, I get two? Mm-hmm. You get two. See, look how excited you are now. Sorry, I I missed it. Okay. Uh notebooks. Gotta go notebooks. Okay. We're gonna colored do some nature journaling books. with our colored pencils okay. and with our, our notebooks. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Darren, I am going with two packs of dry erase markers because eighth grade, the kids are always leaving the lids off. You can never have too many dry erase markers. I'm going, I'm grabbing two packs of dry erase. Doubling down. Because the kids are bringing all the other stuff. I don't need that. I don't need all that stuff. I'm just going double down on the dry erase marker. I, I saw Colin's eyes light up there. Like he didn't think of that, but maybe he wanted to. So (laughs) I'm hoping he sticks to his guns. I'm definitely taking dry erase markers, but I'm going second one. I'm going loose leaf paper. I think it's always good to have some extra scrap paper around for kids. Dry erase markers, loose leaf paper. Colin, who's the best? Well, I, I I gotta say, I, I really introduce an awful lot of art into our social studies class where I possibly can. Justin, you are the best. Oh, you, no, come on. Come on. I cannot win with this guy. You did it. Of course he did. Yeah. How does I it feel, feel so guys? cheap. He told you the best. I feel cheap. Hey? <laughs> I feel great, actually. Get, getting it last, I think it, 
whoever got it last, right, guys? That's the that you got the belt. You know, you're kind of the current best. The current, the cha- yeah, the. the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Colin, for uh, humoring me and us uh, listeners. Let us know what you think. If you disagree with Colin. Or if you think someone else is the best, tweet but us. But dry at. markers are not a bad idea for exactly what you guys said. Dry markers, <laughs> they steal them all the time, leave the caps off. That was like bang on. <laughs> yeah. Honorable, me- honorable mention for me. That, yeah. No, that's that's right. that means you're no. second best. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm trying to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about places in Canada. And we try to celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, everyone. My name is Lori, and I'm the School Relationship Manager at Edudeo Ministries. As you look forward to a new school year, I want to encourage you to partner with us to give your students a more global perspective. You could invite me to speak to your students, participate in the Edudeo Go School Edition fundraiser, or support our annual campaign. You'll find more information about all of these by visiting www.edudeo.com backslash schools. Together, let's give more students in the majority world the opportunity for a Christ-centered education. As we heard off the top, Colin teaches at Covenant Christian School in Leduc, Alberta, Canada. Justin, what did you find out about Leduc? All right. Team Parliament, Leduc is situated on the traditional territories of the peoples of Treaty 6, which includes 16 Alberta First Nations, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Salto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, many others, as well as the peoples of Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. A little bit of history on the actual town of Leduc from the website Kittle. Leduc, just south of Edmonton, was first established in 1889 when Robert Telford, a settler, bought land near a lake which would later bear his name. Colin, you ever been to Telford Lake? Is it nice? Oh, it's it's uh, it's it's Telford Lake. Um, it's an eight-kilometer run around <laughs> Telford Lake, and we uh, run it every <laughs> once in a while. Okay, nice. That's cool. Any beaches on Telford Lake? Oh, I wouldn't want to swim in that. <laughs> uh, uh, for the geese, maybe. The geese like for the, the geese, there's lots of them, yeah. yeah. Beautiful beautiful parks on this side, yeah. Uh, cool, that's awesome. Well, it was on this piece of land by Telford Lake where the new settlement would take root, and Telford previously served as an officer for the Northwest Mounted Police. He then became Leduc's first postmaster, first general merchant man, and first justice of the peace. So it's kind of like, I, I wonder if he was just like a single guy town. <laughs> anyway. There's a, there's a meme out there with like uh, the person sta- sitting beside behind a microphone at, at a movie and they're like the producer, they're the actor. They're like, they're, that's what yeah. this is, just everything. Yeah. He policed himself, sold himself yeah. some stuff and delivered mail to himself. Yeah. All right. The establishment. And, and name the lake himself. And the name and name the lake. Yeah. yeah. Establishment of the Calgary-Edmonton Railway, later acquired by the CPR, opened the region to settlement. Then some others started coming. First train stopped in July 1891. So there's the lake named after him and some neighborhoods as well uh, named after Telford. So that's pretty cool. A couple of baseball fields, is there? Yeah. Okay, nice. Telford. 
there's two versions of how Leduc actually got its name. Here's my favorite of the two. According to popular local legend, the city's name was decided in 1890 when a settler named McKinley, setting up a telegraph office, needed a name for the new settlement and decided that it would be named after the first person who came through the door of the telegraph office. Oh, wow. <laughs> that person was Father Leduc. Father Hippolyte? I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh, they should, should have went with Hippolyte. Hippolyte. <laughs> A priest who has served, who had served the area since 1867, Father Leduc. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Few other facts: Leduc is on Alberta's longest and busiest highway, number two. More than half of Alberta's four million residents live on that corridor between Calgary and Edmonton, created by Highway Two. I didn't know this. Highway Two is part of a Canamex trade corridor, which links Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, and stretches six thousand kilometers all the way from Alaska down to Mexico. It's a Pan American corridor. It's pretty wow. cool. Leduc, I didn't know that. Stop on. I think I've only made it to Lethbridge. That's about as far as I've gone. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Sh- shout out to everybody in Lethbridge. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Leduc city motto is Integrita. Un, uh, do I say the S? Integrita unit. I do. Okay. Integrita unita firmita. Okay, Colin, don't give it away. Jeremy, Darren, any any Latin translation there? Okay. Integrity. What was the second one? Unita. Unity. Firmita. Fermenting. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy. Pretty straightforward. Two for three. Two for three. Okay. Strength. Oh, for okay, for yeah, okay. Integrity, unity, strength. Uh, Leduc recently had a name our new high school competition. It's oh, cool. nice. Su- yeah, yeah. Su- suggestions included the Ralph Klein Senior High, Chaska High School, Treaty Six High, Integrita Unita Firmita High. It's a mouthful. <laughs> okay. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, Colin, does the new high school have a name yet? Do you do you happen to know? Yeah, it know? it does, but I'm going to massacre it. But it's a, I believe it's a Cree word for peace, and it's not witaste. Ah. It's uh, right. So I believe that's what it is. I, I will apologize to my division if uh, if I'm wrong. But I, I I have I'll have to defer to my my staff for saying it. And uh, knew the new principal and is a great uh, great guy there too. So. Dan Lake is a oh, fantastic awesome. supporter of Christian education, sent his kids to us. Ah, cool. Awesome. Uh, okay, that's interesting because one of the suggestions that I named, Chaska, I think is the Cree word for the firstborn son. So there's, uh, there was definitely uh, a number of um, uh, indigenous-inspired names, and it's cool that they, they, they went in that direction. Love it. Yeah, it starts, starts with an uh, A. That's about as close as I get. Uh, Colin, one last question for you. Do Leducians like being considered part of Greater Edmonton, or do they hate that assumption? Oh, that's a great question. I think we benefit from being very close to the south side of, of Edmonton and uh, and enjoy it. But uh, uh, Jeremy, you'll have to jump in here with me too. Is uh, you know, I think they appreciate their their sense of identity, uh, their history. Uh, it's a fast growing community. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, it's surrounded by a few other smaller communities on the South side, but I, I, I think they love their integrity as a, as a community and uh, they take pride in, uh, uh, in, in their, in the community. And uh, I'm, I'm really great to, I'm grateful to be in a part of that community for that long. So 
but it's growing. So it's kind of stands out on its own a little bit. Yeah. They have a, uh, a lot of connections. So Colin, uh, a lot of even the Christian school community would have a lot of connection to the Edmonton International Airport because the airport's right next to Leduc. And so there's a little bit of already an identity piece there that you know they, a lot of people work at the Edmonton International mm-hmm. Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm not cool. sure if they dislike it. I don't get a sense that that's no, a huge I, issue. Cool. Just curious. Colin, how did you end up in Leduc? Well, that's a that's a, a good story. I'm originally from New Brunswick, uh, from Moncton. I, I I grew up there and then moved off to Nova Scotia to be uh, to, to university. Um, I was uh, a history major, but uh, felt a call to the ministry. Uh, so I did some seminary at Acadia. Uh, spent ten years in the Halifax. Uh, spent well seven years in the Halifax Dartmouth region. Uh, and uh, then moved out to Edmonton in uh, just around uh, 2000. It was a uh, it was a great experience to to come across the country, um, but uh, I, I continued to be in the ministry until about 2000 and 2005. Always wanted to teach, and I love teaching humanities. Uh, that opportunity to come to Covenant Christian School was. I, I mean, it was uh, the big boss Gail Mons, who was uh, an inspiration during my <laughs> teaching time. Nice. Uh, and another another friend of ours, Rod Snattersy, who uh, who just happened to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing a module when I was to, taking my ed degree at Kings, and uh, just really loved the the vibe that I got from 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 uh, from them about what what uh, uh, Covenant was all about. And then I heard Jeremy was there, and well, you know, it changed a little bit, but that's a different story. So uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Jeremy was uh, fantastic. I actually knew Jeremy when he was. Uh, was uh, finishing off his head degree too. And he was just such a, an amazing guy, but uh, I was actually left after my education degree, went back into the ministry to West End Christian Reformed Church and had two fantastic years of ministry in, in the community. But uh, my heart was really, really into teaching. Um, and I will say I, I joined the best teaching staff ever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Except for now, now they're the best teaching staff now. Uh, right of course yeah yes yes very nice um so that's quite a story like across the country and between pastor and teacher um there's got to be a faith story there too uh that that leads someone on that direction talk to us a little bit about uh your faith background and what brought you to the place you are now yeah i I was raised uh i was raised in a christian home um and uh you know grew up uh, a kind of shout out to my my home church a little while ago in a uh, little Baptist church well, in, in, in my hometown. And uh, it was very integrated into the community. Uh, we had lots of activities. It wasn't just a Sunday morning thing. We went to church, you know, f- five nights a week, it felt like, uh, whether it was sort of our, our, our so we, we did stock, we did Christian service brigade. And when we had Bible study and we had one of the sports throughout the season was basketball or a volleyball team that was, was there and then you had youth group and then you had Sunday night service. And let's just say I was very fortunate enough to uh, uh, be involved in a, in a lot of different aspects of the church's ministry outside of just what, you know, was, would have been worship. Uh, got to see a lot of different ways in which the church um, was very active in the community of, in Moncton. And uh, it, it was in uh, sort of the East end of Moncton. There's obviously a, a sense of, of, of reaching out to uh, those in needs and, and the earliest memories I have of, of was serving those and including my family who, who, you know, sometimes needed the hamper kind of 
pumped up a little bit by the end of the week. And, uh, you know, um, but uh, the church was important, but I think more importantly was my grandmother, uh, my grandmother Ward uh, Muriel. Um, she taught me an awful lot about faith from a young, a young age. And I remember uh, dearly, dearly uh, being inspired by her many, many times just sitting. And it wasn't that she was preachy. She just lived it. And she had this Bible that uh, <laughs> she just carried with her all the time. Um, and uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was gotten really, really, really ragged, I think, at some times in her life. And, uh, you know, I heard a quote many years after she passed. It says, uh, you know, that ragged Bible is not a sign of a ragged life. And uh, hmm. I remember listening very, uh, very intently to some of my grandmother's very practical, proverbial teachings about life. And she, uh, she was truly a, an amazing woman. And I think she inspired my, my, my other aunts. And my family uh, was rooted in that church. So, yeah, it was mm -hmm. a great time. Ended up at seminary. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. I actually wanted to be in camping uh, recreational side of things, too, for a long, long time. And I thought going to seminary was to get myself into to camping ministry for a long time so I could work with youth. And uh, But I ended up finding myself on a, a bit mission trip to the Ukraine and came back. And pastoral ministry and ch planting churches was something that ended up happening. So I joined a small fishing village in Nova Scotia in Eastern Passage and uh, did some some youth work uh, there and kind of got really uh, just fell in love with that 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 ministry in that rural part of, of Nova Scotia and then moved into the big city of Dartmouth just outside of Halifax and uh, you know just some really great opportunities and had a, a very vibrant youth ministry took a char took a call out here to to Edmonton things uh, uh but that's when things started to, to kind of figure, you know, how do I, how do I live this faith every day? And I wanted to be with kids more. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, youth ministry, you only see them maybe once or twice a week. And I wanted to mm -hmm. see them more mm -hmm. and just speak into their life, right? So, you know, and uh, yeah, but my faith background is, you know, it's based on practical living and, and, and making faith real and, and relevant. Um, and I do have a little bit of a Celtic spirituality to me. And I, I think that comes from the East Coast a little bit, so. Mm -hmm. Nice. Colin, there's so many different questions I could ask you around just the pastoring side of things, but uh, recognizing that you have a pastor background, I better move it along. So uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Covenant Christian School uh, and what you maybe love about it. Yeah, Covenant's like just celebrating their 40, 40 years of uh, being in uh, existence. Uh, it's a K-9 school. It's got this really rich history, both planted in this uh, uh, the reform tradition, but uh, now it has emerged into a very uh, multi uh, sort of a facet type of uh, uh, covenant. Has uh, some very vibrant churches, and they all send their kids. Uh, so we have a really good mix of families, uh, lots of diversity of, of thoughts. So um, what I think I'm really proud about. CCS and, and Jeremy, I think you can attest to this because it was there when you were there and it's there now, is, is the support of families, how incredibly supportive the families are and they get behind the educational efforts, the academic, the athletic, the arts, the whole, the whole nine yards, uh, but they support teachers and, and they're there to listen and, and, and communicate and, and that other like sort of 1A type of piece to this is, is how our graduates go on and, and just make an impact the next step in high school and, and into university. And, and many of them, 
you know, they, they just are, are just great people. They're just great people. So it's the people of covenant that just makes, makes me so happy to be a part of that community. Would you say they're the best? I would have to say they are the best school community you could ever ask for. <laughs> I know grow, I, I uh, graduated and spent my first 10 years of my career uh, teaching there and, and grew up in that community. And it was such a safe community, supportive community to grow up and learn about who I was and, you know, trying to become a teacher and figure that whole thing out. So I can echo those. Uh, Colin, tell us a little bit more about your classroom, uh, getting into your classroom, What's unique about it? What's on the walls? Well, for a junior high classroom, I spend an awful lot of time just uh, transitioning uh, different uh, you know, sort of uh, bulletin boards, trying to keep it a little bit uh, a little bit colorful in there. I think the the most prideful, the, the most uh, uh, the thing I'm most proud of is a poster I have that I, I had back in uh, my pastoral days that I've kept with me of Martin Luther King Jr. on the uh, uh, the the uh, the I Have a Dream speech as he looks over the mall in Washington and it's written for them uh, in, uh, and it's just my uh, corner, my human rights corner. Um, I've got other sort of images of other uh, great uh, activists in the world, but it's this big poster of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, I tell you, it sits at the back. So mostly I'm the one looking at it most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think when the kids come in and, you know, those days when, uh, when we get to celebrate some of the diversity in school and, and I get to talk about Martin Luther King Jr., for example. And, uh, you know, there was one student a couple of years ago said, do you want to make Mr. Ward happy? Quote Martin Luther King Jr. And, uh, and uh, so, so her sister, her sister just started randomly quoting stuff that didn't even make sense half the time, but there it goes. It was fine. So, but, uh, <laughs> is this Martin Luther? No, that's Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's close probably enough, one of the I most proud. No. Close enough. Huh? No. Yeah. Nice. Colin, in every episode, we want to focus on, you know, some kind of central idea or story uh, that you love, that you're passionate about. What do you want to use? How would you describe how you want to focus our, our conversation today? Well, I've been really concerned about teacher efficacy. Um, as a, as a Christian school teacher, we have a tendency to get kind of caught up in our own little bubble of our Christian school. And because we are a, a Christian school alternative program within a public system, I've had the opportunity to work alongside of our uh, many of our sort of initiatives in the district, uh, including some of the work that the Alberta Teachers Association has done. Um, and there's been this real concern over the last little while about teacher efficacy, right? Staying in, staying in the fight, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and the statistics over the last little while in Alberta for, for public school teachers has been really, it's been really difficult to hear these numbers, right? And we've all probably heard them, but we have yet to really get that breadth of what COVID has sort of done. I don't know if there's a, you know, if there, the, the context of, of how that's affected teacher efficacy is, is, is identified because most of the studies that Alberta has done is just gathering the information around that time. But over the last few years, my, my context has actually been not on the mental health aspect of it, but that, that sort of overlooked version, that overlooked angle of spiritual health. And I'm really interested in talking to both my, my counterparts in my own school at a, a Christian school, but also in the public school systems who I have dear friends who, whose anxiety and stress and, and energies 
and power, uh, their spiritual powers uh, are, are being depleted every day by the, the, the sort of the, the complexities of the classroom. And, and that's, that's something I wanted to focus on. That sounds amazing. I think it jumps like right away. I'm thinking that is not the school experience I grew up in and I started teaching in. So you've got this vision for change I'm hearing in your voice. What do you hope to change from your own schooling experience or early in your career? Well, I, I mean, I, I think actually it's a bit of a callback to some of the things that I know that we were doing at Covenant. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that we're not doing these now, uh, but I think because, you know, you're, we're, we're in a growing community, we're in a fast-paced community, and we have a lot of people recovering. Um, I, I guess I, I want to bring back sort of a, prof- a prophetic vision for what it is that we do. And again, to to think in terms of so many of the teachers that I've uh, sort of uh, keynotes or books I've read. I mean, I think of David Smith. I think of James K. Smith. I think of some of the ways of cast a vision for us in the last little while about you know, we are what we love. We, we need to recapture this. And again, I, I, I go to a, a source of a sort of strength for me, Walter Brueggemann. And this is the task, and I'll put in this my own words, of, of this prophetic schooling, maybe not ministry, is to nurture, nourish, and invoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perceptions of the dominant mm-hmm. culture around mm-hmm. us. And I'm really trying to figure out what is that dominant culture around us as teachers that, that cause so much uh, emotional uh, uh, draining and, and spiritual, uh, I will call it dryness, right? There's a, you know, we, we, we and it, it's the busyness, it's the, it's, it's the expectations, and we all face it as teachers. We walk in there and it's not five minutes into the class that, you know, you're, you're, the simplest things like the drywall, the dry, uh, the, the, the dry erase <laughs> markers are all dried up and you got to run down to the, the office. And it's like, I got five things to do before we even start this. And this is the silliest thing. I can't even put today's schedule on the board or, you know, or there's a, those are the type of things that just drain a little bit of energy. And then when you come to what I think is really central to this is that mental health is more than simply, um, is that state of, 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 of how we kind of deal with the mind, uh, the mind at rest. It's the spirit at rest. And Parker Palmer, who wrote that courage to teach type of thing, says that good teaching really is about two things, identity and integrity. And for us, right, the, the idea is that we want to, to have our identity formed in Christ, formed in that image bearers. When we're doing, in our school, TFT, Teaching for Transformation, I want to be able to say as, a, as an image bearer that I'm living it, right? My, my integrity to try to teach that has is, is, is got to be tied to my identity. And many of those times when I come in and it's a frustrating day and maybe you got that email or, you know, I never get those emails, but no, but... Uh, <laughs> You're the best. But, yeah, because <laughs> all the parents think that. Uh, but, you know, you get those emails, the administration's asking for things that are just on top of stuff, you know, on top of what you already do. Or, you know, there's something from division or, you know, a parent is telling me my kid is going on a vacation for two weeks. Can you get him homework? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, those type of things, they get you into a headspace right away where you're dealing with the process of, of, of being performative and not being present. And, and spirituality is as much about being present. And, and again, I, I, 
I, I, I got to go to a, a real ire, uh, to a real good safe space for me um, when I think about presence and I think about my uh, sort of a, my spiritual giant right now as a as a poet as a, a priest named John O'Donohue. I don't know if you know the name, but mm-hmm. who talks about yeah. presence, right? About securing ourselves within this deep well of the earth uh, that we are clay, but in that clay we resonate so deeply. Uh, with the rhythms and patterns of this world. And when we get just the rhythms and patterns all messed up and we're going at 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction, what prophetic ministry are we actually teaching? What, what, what are we like aiming the bow of the boat at, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not teaching those kids how to, uh, to, to see the immensity of God's kingdom. What we're looking at is a time clock and punching the 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 30 minute block or the, the 10 the hour block that we got to get things done. And we're not living in that present moment of, so we're just joining in with the dominant culture of process and dominant culture. And we're not allowing ourselves to be present within that spirit. Now, again, that doesn't come without invoking a, a sense of intentionality. Right. And I think that's where some of our teaching for transformation in our school has, has definitely helped us have a little bit more efficacy with regards to keeping teachers in the practice a little bit longer, having a vision for God's hopeful work in the world. And, and I think at Covenant and, and around some of the other schools, I know our Edmonton schools, and I shout out to them too, right? We, we've, got, we've got some teachers who, who help each other through compassion fatigue and emotional labor. And they, and they do this through spiritual practice like prayer and encouragement and fellowship and, and what I call this, you know, uh, radical hospitality, right? When someone's hurting, you know they're there for you, right? They, they, there's, there's someone in the staff room who'll put, put their arm around you and tell you it'll be okay. There's somebody in that mm-hmm. office who, who knows, who gives you a little wink at the end of the day saying it's going to be okay and I'm praying for you. Or there's a scripture on your desk as one, stu- one, one of my student teachers actually did that. Well, actually, Jeremy, one of our combined student teachers left encouraging scripture on my desk one day. It just gives you that reminder that there's a bigger, there's a bigger kingdom purpose out there than just teaching kids performative tasks and skills. And we're really getting at the, the deeper, richer, um, transcendent character of, of God's kingdom amongst us. Mm, awesome. Colin, you dropped some big names in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Palmer, O'Donohue, um, <laughs> the Smiths, uh, Brueggemann. Uh, pretty cool. So you've talked you've talked a lot about um, you know the the dryness the busyness the 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 cultural stories that compete with the kingdom vision the the prophetic imagination can you can, and and I really love the metaphor of the you talked about the earth this is o, maybe this is O'Donohue that you quoted but the earth as a well can you just re- repeat that for me again how we're rooted or we're grounded. That amazing, uh, is that amazing? I mean, I I can say it, but you know him with that Irish lil of his just kind of just draws you right into his his uh, his vision of the world and his metaphor. But um, I, th- I think we're first rhythm. We're first. We're first rhythm. If that means anything to you, we're first rhythm. We resonate. Like our brain waves resonate. Our body resonates. Our, our walking pattern can resonate. When, when we're in step with a student as we walk down the hall, do we match our pace? Do we, do we speed ahead of them? Do we 
do we become avoidance and let them go ahead of us? The, rhythm is a part of what life is supposed to be. It's a it's a it's a way in which we 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 resonate and vibrate mm. with each other. And and with creation, there's a, a resonating of of the spirit. Now, in teaching. What we happen to resonate with more so than often, and this is an experience with me, I can have a great day. I can be like on top of the world until 3.13 in the afternoon and a kid does something and then all of a sudden I think my day has just been shot, right? And it's like, my day was miserable. I had that one thing happen because I take it home with me because I resonate with so much negativity when I'm not in that place where where my own sort of self-efficacy can see through that, hey, that kid just put in a hard six, seven hours of school themselves and had multiple interactions, multiple, you know, rhythm changes in their own life. And they had a bad moment with me and all of a sudden I resonate with that. And, and that tends to say that dominant culture that sometimes I have to get over is individuality, right? It's that mm-hmm. self, right? It's, it's, it's about me. And it's not about me ever. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, about, it's about Christ, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about God. Yeah, amazing. Colin, can you get practical about that? Can you describe some highlights maybe from your classroom practice or, you know, ideal learning experiences that really kind of give flesh to that in in your actual kind of daily rhythms? Yeah, um, I I think it's just the the one of the things that we do at at our class that just is 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 a grade eighter is not really good at coming in and acknowledging you for example right and and that can lead to a real interesting sort of interaction at the beginning of the day right you you aren't um you aren't being recognized in that sense of not that it's 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 about me but you know the kids not seeing that they are coming into a community every day right um so i i've i've done my own little token economy where i kind of encourage the kids to and anybody who's taught grade eight knows this, like the first thing they come in, they just come in, sometimes flop down and just talk to their friends and not talk to anybody else in their own little cup. But I've encouraged them to come in the door. And the first thing, call it Pavlovian, you know, is to say hello to me. And I bribe them with candy, right? You say hello to me, you get a little tiny piece of candy every morning. So, you know, we're, mm. we're working on diabetes at Covenant Christian. So anyway, but the truth <laughs> of the matter is, <laughs> don't tell the parents. Um, but <laughs> focus on spiritual, mental health, not physical health. Yeah, right? they, they don't, the parents <laughs> don't listen to our podcast. I guarantee it. <laughs> but one of the things they do is they are entering into a conversation right away with me, and I also enter into that conversation too. Now, I've noticed that uh, the teachers have said that uh, when they feel sort of the most distance is because they feel distance from their kids. They don't feel that connection right away in the first thing in the morning. Now, when you're in elementary. You know, you're in grade two, three, like, I mean, they come up and they like just wrap their arms around your leg and you're the, you're the best, right? Junior high, you know, if you, if you don't have that, that, that connection, that relational connection at the beginning, you know, it can kind of be, you're sucked into the computer screen, trying to get ready for a class or doing it, you know, some administrative task, which is always important, but your presence is not, is not felt by those kids. And that establishes a, a bit of how the day is going to go both for the kids and for yourself. You know, as we are community builders, right? Um, intentionality isn't, you know, it's honestly, I'm, we've got one of the funniest teachers I've ever worked with and Jeremy Horlings right here. I mean, he made me laugh because he was the best all the time, but his kids, I mean, he could tell a joke or say it in a different way 
you know, he was the most entertaining thing in the room, but I'm not the most entertaining thing in the room. And Jeremy, of course, taught before technology anyway, with slates and anything back at Covenant. It was so long ago. (laughs) But now I'm not the most, I'm not the most entertaining thing in the room. There are so many more things that distract the kids, but it's not just me they're distracted from, it's they're distracted from their faith, right? And these things draw their attention through. And, and, you know, I, uh, Andy Crouch, right, in his book, uh, Culture Making, talks about idols in that sense of, you know, what does an idol really do? It, it really promises the world, but what does it really do to you? It, it, it leaves you with nothing, and in the end, it demands your life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and these kids are surrounded by that spiritual world that they don't see that is not to get, you know, to get all biblical, right? It's, it's the spiritual principalities that are playing within their TikTok world and their Snapchat world that are, are, are drawing them away from what is authentic community. And if we don't have authentic community, we're never going to get into those kingdom building principles because I've lost them already to whatever echo chamber that they're listening to or whatever influencers got their attention. Colin, uh, how do you stay connected, uh, grounded, grounded in Christ? Uh, uh, obviously, you're reading a lot, um, listening to other people that have gone before you and hearing how they're staying. I'm curious, uh, maybe other uh, practices or other ways you stay grounded. Well, the, the radical hospitality is, is, uh, is something that, I mean, Covenant has, has played. Jeremy, you talked about our games night to, uh, you know, t- you talked about games and how much you, I know you love games and you brought so much fun to, to this. But um, I think we're grounded in, in both my, my faith community at, uh, at my church, my, my faith. Um, I'm an, I'm an, I'm, I'm a nature loving person by chance. I, I do find getting out for walks, uh, being, um, being in creation is a way of grounding me because it's that place where I get reflective. But one of the things I've learned in the last five years is journaling. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have found myself to be a journaler in the last couple of years, um, because, you know, journaling is something that takes time, right? Like you got to sit down, you got to get in the right headspace. Um, and again, sometimes it's, it's free journaling can be just kind of a little bit tedious. Sometimes I know we had prayer journals back in our day, you know, Thursday prayer journals with my kids in Bible class. And it's like random thoughts to God. I don't know really. Right. Like, um, mm. but without mm. a template or, uh, you know, you know, a scriptural, uh, well, well, without biblical literacy in the first place, I'm not even going to really try to, to, to talk about what journaling is with my kids. Um, so to, to, to examine my life. And again, you know, we've heard this before. One of the scariest things about, about teaching is an unexamined life. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, we can find that I have to examine, be reflective, um, bring myself to a point of, of understanding how pedagogical practices, faith development, um, relational, uh, re- relational, uh, uh presence not with my students but with the the wider community whether it's my my administrator the the office staff my janitor our custodian uh, that all plays a part in what my identity and integrity look like back to that parker palmer idea right if i'm but at the same time i also have to check out too i can't be 24 7 a teacher right i've got to be some other things along the way i've got to be me um and uh so journaling allows me to, to kind of find those, those, what I like to call pins and anchors, if you will, 
right? I got to pin myself down here. I got to call my friends back in New Brunswick every once in a while and touch base with them, see how they're doing. I got a buddy whose kid's in the hospital and my, my heart's out for him. I got another buddy who's, you know, is going to do Ironman somewhere and, oh, I'm excited for him. But I got to have those pins and anchors outside of school as well to keep me grounded most of the times too. And, and so relationally, journaling, uh, all of those spiritual disciplines that many of us do do appreciate. But again, back to that dominant culture. What does our dominant culture says? Busy, 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 busy. And where do I find time for those if I'm not being intentional? Cool. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, thanks, Colin. I, um, you definitely have some pastor preaching background um, <laughs> coming out there as we got going. I had, preach it. I was, preach it. I was holding my amens back uh, as, you, as you rolled through there. Um, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with us. Uh, we're going to transition to something we call our Celebration of Learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our Celebration of Learners. It is populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and have been forced to listen to us read off nice things from someone in their community. And today... Donovan Simmons, principal at Covenant Christian School, had this to say about Colin. Colin Ward's passion for Christian education and student success has been apparent since I came to Covenant Christian School 14 years ago. His passion for creating authentic formational lessons comes out in so many of his TFT lessons, units, and ideas. This is seen in his Grade 9 Economics Dragon's Den mini mall event, or his Grade 8 Gamification of Renaissance Europe, the Kingdom of Shrewberry. Mr. Ward is always willing to go the extra mile to bring learning and God's kingdom to life. He does not stop simply with being a fantastic social studies teacher, but in his extracurricular involvement as well. The grade eight musical drama productions he has directed rival professional quality and even wrote and created his own play, Erica the Red, which was performed a few years ago. Mr. Ward is also deeply involved in our very successful volleyball program where we teach our kids to serve, get it? (laughs) serve him with our gifts talents and abilities from donovan wow that's 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 kind that's very kind and i i appreciate that very much that's very heartwarming thank you donovan colin if anyone wants to if anyone wants to connect with you uh how could they do that uh probably the easiest way is uh is is find me at uh, colin.ward at uh at gshare.blackgold.ca uh that's probably the easiest way to do that. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes. Listeners, uh, we would love your involvement in our podcast. So email us at every square centimeter with RE at the end at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate or just share a fun teacher antidote. We'd also appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe. I know you're listening and you haven't done that yet because we're still at nine. Come on. Who's <laughs> going to be the 10th? Someone bring us to that double digit. We know you're out there. Anyway, before Darren sends us off with a blessing, I want to thank Colin uh, for hosting our parliament. And uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know, I'm going to ask the group what you think, what animal group forms a parliament. And I am getting a sense that there's some confidence in the group. Uh, Anyone feeling less confident that would like to go first, get their answer out there first. I'm feeling pretty, I'm not very confident. Okay, Justin, what do you got? I, I'm going ants. Parliament of ants. Mm. It's a busy parliament. That's a really busy. That is not one I thought of, but that is a good one. Colin, uh, any guesses? 
I don't know. I'm a social studies teacher with a predominance for Canada's. So let's just say it's a parliament of beavers. A beavers. Okay. Nice. Very good. Also on my list. I love this. Darren, you've, does it hasn't been said and you're feeling confident let's see which route you go so i had two and i was leaning one way and then um your little clue in one of the breaks leads me to another way so the two that i was playing with one is because parliament not necessarily the parliament we see in question period because this would have been named way sooner so it was like a whole bunch that are like all arranged. Okay. So I was thinking, and then you made a comment about quiet, which I'm, I was thinking some sort of bird. Okay. And then I was also thinking bat. Okay. So I was trying to go bird and bat, and then you said quiet, and then I was like, it's got to be owls. Because owls just sit in the quiet, oh, and they're all good. staunch and hoity-toity. And I was like, when you gave me the clue, I was going to go bats, but then the clue, and I was like, it's got to be owls. Please be ants. Uh, owls are birds from the order Strigiforms, which includes over 200 species of mostly solitary and nocturnal birds of prey, typified by an upright stance, a large broadhead, binocular vision, by what binaural hearing? I don't even know how to say that. Sharp talons <laughs> and feathers adapted yes, for silent yes, flight. Yes. Darren does it again. Uh, first off, before I ask the question, any anybody? First off, uh, owl stories. Anybody? Oh yeah. So uh, Don, so coming out of Leduc because we are a little bit still on the outside of the county of Leduc. I was coming home after after a, a late volleyball game, and I pulled onto one of our <laughs> one of our dirt roads on the way out to to sort of West Edmonton, uh, where I live. Um, and uh, as I turned around, there there were three owls in the middle of the road as my lights hit them, and I probably avoided hitting them by about four or five feet. Um, and they were just stunned for some reason. I've never seen owls do something like that. Uh, so that was Rabbit Hill Road, Jeremy. So you know where that is. So. Oh yes, yeah. Mm. We used to. The reason I thought of owls is because we used to every once in a while get an owl sitting on the uh, corner of Covenant Christian School's gym. And uh, oh yeah, I always mm. thought it was just so uh, so cool to see. My a uh, uh, quick uh, owl story. My sister is a rock climber. Um, her husband is a rock climber. Uh, they were climbing up a uh, uh, rock uh, face and a couple owls started squawking at them and they started thinking, you know what, this feels like maybe we're getting into some territory here where we shouldn't. And about that moment, the owl came and basically grabbed my brother-in-law uh, as back and pulled him off the rock. Like they had ropes on, right? So they're, they're tied in, mm -hmm. but he pulled him off the rock and they <laughs> scooted out of there and uh, never Holy went back. Cow. So wow, they, uh, they were very protective. Of, they think that there's a nest right coming up uh, mm -hmm. where they're maybe going up on. So, my question for you guys: What's something you do very quietly? Quiet like an owl flying. I sing very quietly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'll echo that. I played my instrument quietly. When I was in the band, I tried to play my <laughs> instrument quieter than everyone else so that it was just, I, I was participating, but not <laughs> to a level that anyone would, you know, know that I was. <laughs> Darren, Justin, 
I don't think I do anything. <laughs> and you definitely don't brag about your wins quietly like that. Definitely make sure we hear that. True. Well, Justin, uh, having, you know, gone, we're all involved with sports teams and, uh, I don't know how many times I've been, uh, sleeping in, you know, gyms or staff rooms at various places in provincial tournaments. And I, I pride myself on sleeping fairly quietly. Oh yeah. That's a, for, that's for my one. fellow chaperones. Uh, cause yeah. I've had a few mm-hmm. who we mm-hmm. had one gentleman, awesome guy, a chaperone. <laughs> we started everybody basically in the staff room. People were as far away as they could get <laughs> in Thunder Bay Christian school. Just trying to fall asleep with with as much distance from our uh, parent chaperone as possible. That, and he he owned it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to tell you, it's going to be loud. <laughs> yeah, to make him go to bed like an hour after everyone else does. And, oh, it was it was impressive. Yeah. Awesome guys, uh, Darren, uh, to end our time together, uh, you do a blessing for us. Yes, and this is one um, we were invited to write blessings as part of some professional development I got to do, and so here it is. Nourished by the shepherd's abundant love, go forward to walk in the path of the sacredly subversive gospel story. Oh, beautiful. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.